When the simple act of preparing tea becomes ritual, it takes its place at the heart of our ability to see greatness in small things. Where is beauty to be found? In great things that, like everything else, are doomed to die? Or in small things that aspire to nothing, yet know how to set a jewel of infinity in a single moment and help us to embrace the void? ever going to make it back from the void, I suppose it was going to be you. Oh, well, you know, one man's void is another man's piece of cake. What about the reality we left behind? What about the reality where Hitler cured cancer, Morty? The answer is don't think about it. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like they're people. Welcome, friends, to episode 237 of Embrace the Void, where we've got that efficacy of performance. I am your host, Aaron, and this week we are debating definitions. Though I should say, much as I wanted this to be a knockdown, drag out fight, I realized about halfway through that we once again don't actually disagree. So we're back to the drawing board on that. But it did mean that it left some room for extra torturing of definitions. All right, then, let's Socratize some dialogue. Life ends in death, which we as a species are cursed with knowing, resulting in something. My returning guest this week is Chris. I want to say Kavana, uh, co-host of the Decoding the Gurus podcast. Chris, would you like to once again say hi to the void? I I barely even want to respond to that deliberate mispronunciation, <laughs> that provocation. Kavana, Kavana, the shame. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know it, Aaron. I know you know the court justice. Uh, he he made my name infamous across the Americans. Uh, yeah, no, so. I, I'm quite clear with how it works but this is going to be you know a knockdown drag out brawl so i figured i'd throw sand in your eyes just to get us started that's all right that's all right i'm used to it and my people have been oppressed for the century so this is just hey my people have been oppressed for college. millennia so like if you want to do a um you know a, <laughs> oh no a, what is it um, <laughs> the, uh olympics it, what is the olympics we're gonna do some oppression, uh, oppression olympics. olympics let's do it uh, neither of us can find yeah. the word fast enough that's terrible we're out of <laughs> yeah. culture war practice i'm gonna do i'll do a little bit of background here i don't do the usual like 30 minute intro that you're used to mm. so i'll just give folks just a little bit of, of what you're here for because it's been like a year and a half since you were last on the show talking about the idw um, which is a great episode that i think has held up fairly well and people could go yeah. back and check that out and in that time we've been chatting a fair bit obviously and and whatnots and we found mostly points of disagreement but like two main points of substantial disagreement one of which was that you're just painfully wrong about consciousness the other though is that there's a much more open debate i think around the concept of religion i've been sort of leaning towards a self-id account of religion these days and you sent me an article that you wrote which was like you're wrong. And it's a good article. So I wanted to talk about it. So I wanted to get you back on uh, for this proper disagreement that is much more useful than me trying to explain consciousness to you. So to get us there, though, do you want to give folks a little bit about like your background and cultural experience in the like study of religion world? Sure. Yeah. So I'm from Northern Ireland, which is probably self-evident from the way I talk. But I think that gives me experientially a little bit of a interest in religious divisions and religious identity and um, because of the protestant catholic division there and i was raised irish catholic but i'm i'm now an atheist uh, but i i think Darrell o'brien described it well when he said like you know <laughs> the only options for irish catholics are like uh Catholic or bad Catholic. So uh, <laughs> I've probably fallen into that category. And in terms of actual research on religion and academic interests, 
the field that I'm primarily involved in is the cognitive science of religion, um, which is an approach to studying religion that looks mainly at psychological, cognitive, and evolutionary features of uh, religious belief, ritual practices, and more broadly, religious traditions and institutions, and examines mm-hmm. them from, from that perspective. But before I joined the dark side of a, a social science which regards itself as empirical, I uh, studied <laughs> anthropology and study of religions as undergraduate and master's subjects. So I, I spent more qualitative quite... immersion approach. Did you like get in there with them? Yeah. So more, more in line with ethnographic style approaches. I did like my master's thesis on a Japanese new religious movement in, in London, um, Agonchu. Mm-hmm. But but more broadly, I, I I spent four years doing study of religions as undergraduate. So I'm quite familiar before I got into the cognitive science of religion field with the the more qualitative, more traditional anthropological approaches to religion. Um, and mm-hmm. and so I think they inform my approach to some extent. But I'm definitely more recently influenced by my relative fondness for the cognitive science of religion approach. Okay. Yeah. And maybe we'll see how that sort of plays out as we try to assess the approaches. Do you want to help folks though, who like, just don't know what the map looks like? How would you chunk the like main options for defining religion? Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of different camps The probably the most straightforward is the one that says it's, a meaningless term that uh, we shouldn't be using that what it attempts mm-hmm. to carve out is essentially a construct which is uh, rife with ethnocentric projection and assumptions that rely on very theocentric or christian abrahamic style religious concepts that that don't map well onto what might be termed religion across the rest of the world um so it, right you're you're exporting so that's like the woke critique position right or something we could say yeah the crit i think like critical theory uh, approach right and th- you might not regard that as the default but i would say that's probably the the strongest contingent in the study of religions field is that kind of approach which regards the category right. as as like problematic and that essentially then wants to interrogate what goes into the, the construction of the term religion and 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 to argue that you know we we shouldn't be using it in the manner that scholars have used the other so, approach yeah oh. yeah I was, I was gonna say because that's that's got to be critical of something so like what's the traditional account that it's like being critical of do you think yeah so uh, <laughs> starting from that there is no coherent definition then the other option is that there are coherent definitions and there's different varieties that that comes in and probably the traditional variety is to argue that there is a cross-culturally recurrent set of features which which can be classified as religious right and separate from kind of secular topics mm-hmm. that that may or may not be a human universal but the you can look at that from the perp- the position of it being a functional component of societies that societies need some sacred focus the kind of totemic poles mm-hmm. of the like the earliest social scientists Emil Durkheim and, and so on right the earliest sociologists were were talking right. about the role of religion including uh, you know, Marx and Weber as well, right? So that all, mm-hmm. all of the big social theorists um, had theories that in related to religion because it was such an influential part of society at the time. Um, and and then uh, you could also look at it from the point of view of following institutions or uh, religious traditions across time, right? Like Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, like looking at those traditions as things that move 
over time and which branch into different countries and and so like taking a historic approach to looking mm-hmm. at the the traditions and how they branch out and what's consistent amongst them and what's different um and and then another option is that focusing instead of institutions or instead of functions within society but rather on human brains and the patterns in either the way Mm. that people think or the very structures of the mind which imply that uh, religious cognition or thoughts about supernatural beings are a uh, kind of cognitive universal or natural aspect of human cognition which means that we will find manifestations of these kind of psychological tendencies across all societies and from those tendencies you build up religious traditions so that would be things like mm-hmm. overinterpreting ambiguous stimuli to suggest agency in the world right? right which would have an evolutionary gloss to it and then if in if institutions and uh, traditions and rituals build up around that that you you can kind of crystallize things which are intuitively um like plausible so so mm-hmm. there's there's a whole like melange of different approaches with within that grouping but you you have a pretty strong division between the people who say that it's useful and then have different ways that they define the like what religion is and then the mm-hmm. the group that i mentioned first the more critical theorist uh, approach which argues that using the term it just causes needless confusion and actually makes it harder to grasp the kind of topics that we want to talk about. Yeah, it's tricky. So cause like that was a really good sort of summary, I think, of the map. And it's hard because it feels like there are three different questions at play here, right? There's the question simply defining religion. What is what is what are the features by which we distinguish between a behavior that's religious and a behavior that's or whatever thing that we're applying this adjective to versus not. Right. And then the question of um, where did it come from? What's the evolutionary or whatever explanation for why there appears to be this this reoccurrent behavior? And then another question of is it useful to talk about this cluster of behaviors as a cluster in this kind of way? Right. You could have sort of varying answers to all three of those questions, it seems like. Yes, Is that right? that's the okay. yeah. There's there's a bunch of overlapping questions, and some of which don't require, you know, some fundamental disagreement because they're dealing with different levels of explanation. That's part of mm-hmm. what causes confusion, I think, sometimes mm-hmm. because people are debating across levels. But that's normal, right? That mm-hmm. that just happens in all subjects, right? And I think it might also be helpful to highlight, like as I understand it, so when you talked about the sort of Abrahamic bias side of things, the version that often comes out of that, as I understand it, is a belief-centric or what doxastic or whatever it's called, right, kind of version of defining religion where, um, you know, the people have to believe something. Either they believe in something supernatural or, or, you know, in some way have a specific kind of religious belief, whereas other approaches would be like more potentially practice oriented or something like that. Are there any other like important divisions like that, that you think kind of commonly sort of separate people's intuitions about these ideas? Yeah. So there within, there are, there is another division when it comes to like what we mean by religion and what falls within that category, Uh, an important division uh, is that some people tend to focus quite strongly on the importance of overt belief, right? Explicit mm. belief. And uh, the this tends to be more focused on the like theological systems and cosmology that is presented in in religious systems over the the daily practices right and in mm-hmm. some sense uh people have pointed out that you know the the groups which are most concerned with theological correctness tends to be atheists and uh fundamentalists whereas mm-hmm. the majority of practitioners create uh somewhat 
you know, compromise uh, from what they're doing and what the official institutional teaching that they should be doing is. So I think this division between uh, belief and practice is quite common. And, and you often see it reflected in attempts to scholarly uh, examine religious traditions where people talk about low and high traditions or like the monastic mm-hmm. tradition and the lay practices and there's there's a whole bunch of systems that have codified right this recurrent distinction um that that occurs in in pretty much all religious traditions but i i think on top of that you have systems of religion or religious practices and beliefs in different societies which put a greater or lesser emphasis on belief structures over practice. Uh, in and I, if you are from a society where, mm-hmm. which I think the, a lot of people in North America and Western Europe are from societies that prioritize theocentric belief-centered models, that right. it's hard to imagine a religious system that is orthopraxic, which is more focused on practice as the defining characteristic. But on a on a very coarse level, I think you can see it slightly reflected in like the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism mm-hmm. on a on a coarse level, right? Because sure, to some right. extent, uh, Catholics emphasize more the adherence to a set ritual, right? And less about right. a a personal relationship with a, you know, supernatural um being. So mm-hmm. that like and and even, you know, historically speaking, the masses being in Latin and that kind of um conceit shows an indication that like it isn't always about uh a focus on understanding and theological beliefs that is important. It's more adhering to what the institution authority says is the right thing to do. Oh, I see. Or vibing with God properly, I guess, depending on your approach. But um... yeah, well, rit- rituals right. can like how much because you can present rituals as being like that they they've actually covered the core of the tradition, right? Lots of people who approach mm-hmm. Buddhism in the West regard almost all of the things that goes on in buddhist countries and that has been the focus of you know uh centuries of of religious history as Mm -hmm. needless accretions to a core uh philosophical form of buddhism right so that kind of thing like core teachings versus ritual accretions yeah, and I this is part of why I liked your article and wanted to have you on to pick at it, is that I think it's a, a nice critique of the understanding of religion that I was raised with, the kind of false belief, atheist account of religion that you get, you know, if you grow up in America generally. And at the same time, it's not the usual critique of that, which is the, you know, religion is pointless or religion is just a subjective concept, which I, I am still sympathetic to, but we'll, we'll get there eventually, maybe. But... It's all, you know, it is, you are, as I understand it, still sort of arguing that it is a useful concept. We're just not understanding it well. So what, where do you plant your flag on this conceptual map? What's your definition and why? Yeah, I'm strongly in the camp that it's a useful uh, conceptual category. And I accept most of the points of the criticisms about how the term can be used to smuggle in assumptions but i think that just means that you have to be careful about your terms right that define how you're using it and um in that sense and i think it does meaningfully pick out an area of activity which is cross-culturally recurrent and uh, which is related to cognitive systems that all humans possess and make religion if not inevitable, extremely likely. Um, so so I'm, think studying I'm, religion as religion gives us insights into humans in an important way. Yeah, in this, and I, I draw an analogy okay. between the category of politics, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I feel it functions in a similar way that like politics can have all these different facets, different meanings about politics. And, and if you look at politics across history and the different societies, 
it would take on very different meanings, right? Uh, like politics in uh, small-scale hunter-gatherer societies versus politics in a large industrialized uh, post-capitalist society. It's, there's differences, but there are also mm-hmm. similarities. And I think the pointing out the categories are fuzzy and that there are, uh, you know, histories to the words that we use in any language which carry assumptions. It applies for everything. So, like, I, I feel that there is insight to begin from interrogating them, but in essence, you end up in an, a never-ending, you know, recursion, recursive loop of deconstruction and yeah so okay. i think if you if you're going to deconstruct the categories you have to deconstruct them all and i tend okay. to find it's applied selectively i agree i'm so i'm sympathetic to that i mean i think i think some things are more reducible than others um i don't think it's just like all or nothing but i get i get your point that like we have to be consistent in what we you know i do i'm also sympathetic to the idea that there is utility in discussing religious behavior across cultures. I do think, you know, sort of like the way I think you and I have agreed about the concept of cancel culture, where it's like, you know, you can haggle over examples and things, but it does seem to be usefully picking out something that's going on. Um, so yeah. I, so what's your definition then, right? I, I'm sympathetic to the, it being a, um, a useful definition versus the non-useful definition, um, but what are the key features uh, so my definition tends to fall in line with the approach of like uh, Tyler, who is uh, is probably a bad person to evoke because he's seen as being, you know, uh, like passe and and too obsessed with supernatural agents as the defining aspect. But I think his insight that. Uh, a lot of religious activity oriented towards supernatural entities or forces, that's an important qualification, is mm-hmm. is valid and actually does apply in most cases. Um, but I would add to it that alongside religion as uh, a, a kind of area of activity that focuses on supernatural agents and forces, that it also includes uh, rituals and practices orientated towards those agents and forces. So religions mm-hmm. as institutions grow up based on uh, addressing those foundations. So um, I think those two components of like uh, ritual, ritual practices and beliefs orientated to supernatural agents and forces are the, the core components that I see um, as as cutting out like a relevant category for religion. Mm-hmm. And so the major distinction there, right, as I understand it, between your view and the one, the Abrahamic problematic one is that one is belief centric. And you're saying you can have a system where nobody believes that they're engaged in a religion or believes in some sort of supernatural thing, but the religious rituals are oriented towards a supernatural entity in a way that still makes it count as a religion. Is that that what you're saying? Yeah, so I don't think the native category needs to exist of like a distinction between secular and sacred for the concept to mean to make sense. And I apply that in the same way that like you wouldn't need the concept of politics and you don't need the concept of like a circulatory mm-hmm. nervous system in order for mm-hmm. them to apply, right? You might have disagreements about, you know, the extent to which politics and circulatory nervous systems are the same thing. But I I don't think a concept being emic necessitates that it is a meaningful concept that you can apply analytically. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. Um, and then obviously I think the key concept that we have to bear down on is supernatural, right? So how are we defining supernatural? Like if a community doesn't believe that a ritual is connected to a supernatural entity because they think the force is, you know, natural or something. They reject the idea of supernatural in this way. Do we still assign them, you know, the category of religion? Do you have an objective account of what we mean by supernatural here? I think you can take it from the position that violates, you know, non, uh, violates our scientific 
current understanding of how like nature exists and if you want to make it more tractable without appeals to like scientific modern scientific consensus i i think you would get a lot of mileage with reference to dealing with invisible forces and the agents because uh as much as people don't like to fixate on that that is one of the key components is that uh a lot of the forces are not visible right you can you can say mm -hmm. that the spirits are in the forests and that it is possible to see them but not in the way that is normally understood that you can just go and like take a picture right the, no you cannot um in it's not just visible though right like you mean any any senses right like they're not hearable no well yeah or do you mean really I, specifically visible i mean visible because i i okay. or, or like detectable via you know so you say senses but i what i mean is that uh the way to perceive those entities is not in the way that you would normally interact with you know uh like dogs or or plants or people right you so if you take a photograph of what is purported to be even if other people say it's there it, it will not be mm -hmm. visible right and the, the mm -hmm. um i think that that aspect of subjective experience i i wouldn't discount so i'm not arguing that like p no people will claim to have seen these people interacted with them you know smelt mm -hmm. or felt or had a sensation but those experiences are not externally verifiable um as far as we have the evidence that currently exists there are no invisible demons or gods floating um around that we have evidence for but plenty of people who feel that they exist and that they interact with them okay so entity inter interaction with an entity that is not detectable in normal ways or by scientific method or something like that is that the rough yeah. category yeah, right. studyable so, by the natural and, sciences is the way I've heard this put sometimes. I feel like yeah, and I think violates uh, ontological expectations that we have of mm. all other categories okay. of uh, you know Acts natural being, right? Agents <laughs> right. uh, like in categories of agents, you tend to have persons, animals, uh, plants, objects, okay. right? And supernatural right. agents violate the ontological expectations of persons because they're invisible they can uh, you know hear things over great distances they can read minds they not all the same kind of things but they tend to violate core intuitive assumptions about how uh, things within that ontological category should function okay that makes sense um of course now i have like 10 pages of lists of things that i want to ask you is this a religious thing because of mm. that category right I, I sort of roughly get your concept so maybe we can we can test it with a couple of things in a particularly entertaining way i think um okay. so let's start with maybe some you know softballs here cryptids generally speaking we have a whole category of entities from bigfoot to you know fox spirits let's say right are mm -hmm. they all religions if you believe in them like if I'm out there hunting Bigfoot, am I engaged in a religion? And if not, where is there a spectrum point where we like switch over to it being religious? So the yeah. question there is, are you asking about whether they're supernatural or are you asking whether they are religions? Because they're two different issues. Well, okay. Well, so I guess we need to figure out, are they supernatural, right? Are these supernatural entities? And then it seems like all I need to do is either believe that they exist or engage in rituals oriented towards them. And I meet your criteria, right? It, it, yes. So you would have religious. So everything hinges on whether, mostly everything hinges on whether or not, like we're not really debating what it means to do a ritual or to believe in them. We're debating what are the sorts of things that I have to be oriented towards in order for it to count as a religion. Yeah, so like, but the difference to me is, are you, were you talking about like a wind spirit? It's different than, for example, a large unknown aquatic animal, right? The, okay, so Loch Ness is not a religion is what you're saying. It, it, not necessarily, but it, it <laughs> okay. could be, 
right? Okay. They, they're, Here we go. They, now we're so it, yeah, it depends on what the people do and how they conceive of that. Because like, if it's a if it's people hunting for an an animal or a prehistoric relic, right, that they imagine to be to be present, that that mm-hmm. to me is it, it's yeah, it falls within the category of like non-religious activity. But it doesn't mean okay. that somebody couldn't come to invest, you know, spiritual meaning and beliefs attached to the Loch Ness monster or any other cryptid, and uh, kind of construct elaborate meaning systems around them, and then orient it like ritual activity and and, and beliefs that you know verge towards uh, supernatural um, about the powers that they might grant or that kind of thing. So you often seeing figures from myth or or cryptids even or aliens bleed into new age religious systems right the okay so that kind of thing so yeah so things that let's say you and i for the sake of argument agree don't exist right could turn into an object of religious belief because they are in effect would we say that that Loch Ness, on your definition, is supernatural? I mean, like Loch Ness doesn't violate the laws of physics. I guess it does contravene your expectations of evolution. So I guess in that sense, you could say it counts yeah. as a supernatural entity, right? And then, I, um, I, so I, it yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily. I mean, so if 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 there was some bizarre freak, like I, you know, a block of ice had been preserved and something had like slipped out, or you know, some science right. fiction. Thing, but the entity which emerged was just a biologically preserved specimen from a previous age. Nothing supernatural right, okay. about that. Um, so it, there's there's plenty of versions wherein it's it's not positing a supernatural entity, just like an unknown biological right. entity. Even aliens, for sure. There's, there's right? a, a natural explanation for it. Right? Yeah. Right. Same with aliens. There's a natural explanation. So. Let me let me just clarify here. Does this mean, for example, on your view, um, belief in Loch Ness could become a religion in a way that belief in CrossFit couldn't become a religion? Like, because CrossFit, let's assume that CrossFit at least is exercise, right? Like, sure. maybe you can get really hardcore about it, really religiously, you know, obsessed with it potentially, and you might want to use that word or something, or cultish, maybe you want to use a different term. Um, but there's not a fundamental supernatural belief element or, 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 you know, thing supernatural that you're oriented towards in CrossFit, as far as I understand it, at least. Would that mean yeah. that CrossFit can't be a religion? It's anything can become a religion. Anything, anything can have okay. the, you know, that component brought into it. But the the building blocks are probably not so attractive when it comes to CrossFit. Though I know that like. I, you know, there's a spectrum. There's always a spectrum, and and you know, it, it is good to kind of point out the fuzzy gray areas. To me, it seems much more fitting, as you indicated, that call, to examine CrossFit within the realm of cultish dynamics, right, and self improvement, mm-hmm. and the degree to which that starts to lean into spiritual transcendence through like self uh, mastery. And, mm-hmm. you know, like into a kind of yogic uh, frame, I, I think it would be easy in that respect to to start to veer towards the religious category. But to make it a meaningful category, I think you, you do need to keep some component which is focused around like uh, supernatural concepts. So they exist okay. within spirituality, which isn't focused uh, like on on say worshiping you know jesus or that kind of thing but you when you look at the like the, in the conspirituality sphere the way that people talk they're very often invoking you know powerful forces of the universe and uh, if mm-hmm. not presented as explicitly spiritual they come very very close to you know channeling our a, a kind of mystical energy that humans possess or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just recently, there was a clip of all, um, I forget his first name, but Aubrey something, the guy who is the founder of on it, the partner of Joe Rogan. And he was talking to someone who was chanting, uh, an Atlantean song, which they remembered from a past life right now mm. is, is that 
religious. It's definitely when you start getting into Atlantean myths and about you know perfected beings and and channeling of energies. It's it's crossing into the boundaries of spirituality and religion and and you know um, pseudoscience. Okay. So so those those boundaries do do cross, but I. I, I still think keeping the supernatural component is important to keep the religious category coherent. Yeah, and I think it's useful there because I don't think you're I don't think you're saying that like it's actually just comes down it's not it's not like self ID in the sense that it's whether the person thinks it's supernatural they have to be oriented towards something that isn't there and either ritualistically or or in belief sense you know act in on that orientation or something um and like i'm not yeah. i'm not unsympathetic to that um i want to i still want to poke a little bit more um so let me ask what i think is a little bit harder of a question maybe not is the kind of gambler's superstitious belief and behavior about being able to control luck at the gambling table a uh, religious view on your perspective mm, I, so i think it's got elements of religious belief it it like it but i it's more it, you know it depends on the individual per person right because like you might have gamblers who will do specific rituals for luck mm -hmm. and and right. believe that they have like a, a you know a lucky streak and the extent to which that is attributed to like some you know power of the universe or is regarded as like just a misreading of probability um or or their own ability to manage risk right like it it all depends on how the person is con like on uh, conceptualizing right. it but also you know what they're what they're doing um so it it could be yeah. but I, but i think that the building blocks are definitely there and and that um it it isn't entirely dependent on whether the person would recognize what they are doing as that um as to whether it would qualify but i wouldn't mm -hmm. i wouldn't count that as so what this is like one sticky thing that you highlighted at the start that like is it a religion is a different question from like are there religious beliefs or are there religious aspects to it right and is it a religion no right there are not institutions mm -hmm. and high priests of of gambling and uh like gambling rituals like i mean that, that one might be a little more debatable but like yeah i, I hear what you're saying generally right it's no, not you, an organized religion you can you can or you can always find parallels this is this is one of the things that i i know that you've criticized as well is like in every activity you'll always be able to draw parallels to religion right because religion is such a multifaceted large aspect with all these different traditions and all of these different components that you will always be able to say well you know the there are uh, casinos which are like churches for gamblers and there are you know the the priests are kind of like the dealers who they have to interact with to uh, communicate with the forces of luck and and so on but you can yeah. the problem is you can draw that analogy for almost any topic and then say, well, so it's like a religion and like, yes, in some respects, yes. Um, and then others, no. But the way that people do that is usually to disparage something. Right. No. And, and I do think the part of my concern in having you on is to push back on arguments that do that exact thing. Um while at the same time, I think, you know, you are making a case for the against the most common pushback to those arguments, which is it's a meaningless concept. Everybody's just kind of throwing it around as just a power play against their enemies. Um, but I, what I had specifically in mind with the gambler superstition is because I've been reading a bunch of the research recently on this because I'm writing about people's beliefs in luck. And what they what some of the studies find, at least, is that um, they not only that it, that gamblers not only believe that they have a skill or an ability to control luck they see luck as an agent they see it as having mm. sort of agent-like features that you are interacting with um lady and so luck. that was sort of you know right like lady luck um so 
if we were using that version that it seems like would would meet your criteria and they were doing you know the luck rituals or whatever it would it would so like mm-hmm. it would, it, it, i i think that um the there's a natural tendency in human cognition to anthropomorphize uh mm-hmm. forces that we want to you know interact with and to imagine that the not only fates but things that you know things that cause us misfortune and stuff it's easy i think our mind immediately looks for agency um in causing our good luck and misfortune so that area is kind of mm-hmm. ripe for religious style thinking in that same vein is it religious when we like knock wood if we're like doing it because we don't want to tempt fate would you put that in, your, it- in your religion bucket yeah, I mean, like it's, a, it's, it's ritualistic and rituals mm-hmm. occur outside of the religious context. But so like the there's plenty of ritualistic things that, that people do uh, that like when you try to burrow down into the logical connections between the actions, they rely mm-hmm. on a supernatural like force or some non-specified connection right but mm-hmm, right. i i'm somewhat resistant to automatically tie that to religion because i think you can have ritual in a whole broad category outside of religion so if you are doing rituals in order to manipulate a like supernatural agent that you perceive then yes that to me is like falling into the category of religious activity if you're knocking wood because it's a, a cultural tradition that you you know just uh, are are doing with like as as part of a member of a society where this is something that people do, um, and you're not with no history of knocking wood going back to like doing it as a religious ritual to to like no I mean fate. I, I mean more that you can engage in ritual activities without like without having any notion that they actually are going to manipulate the fates or whatever, right? Just as a member of a community and it wouldn't. So, but on your view, wouldn't those still count as religious? You just wouldn't know that you were engaged in a religious ritual. Cause like in your paper or in your article, you basically say that Japanese people are engaged in religious rituals, even if they wouldn't self-identify as doing so. Yes. So, but there's a slight difference there in that, in that specific context, I'm saying that, uh, those are there are big religious institutions and religious motifs with specific attached to specific religious traditions, right? Buddhism and Shintoism mm. traditions, which are uh, so that's saying that the there are religious aspects of the activity that's being done in the location. Whereas what you're talking about is more a a cultural ritual which could have religious components but which is more often i would say when people knock wood something that they do like uh, just without like (laughs) so i yeah i Mm -hmm. i'm tying Mm -hmm. myself in that but i mean it like (laughs) it Uh doesn't traditions and rituals do even ones that are like implicitly uh, referring to some supernatural Force, do not have to have like be connected to a religious tradition or that the person doing them is by by doing them is doing something associated with religion so how do you tell which ones are and which ones aren't then it seems like you like it seems like what you're saying is some superstitious religious rituals are not religious and some are so we need another criteria Right. Besides but in, in those superstitious forces, right? But in those in that specific case, like the so the I think a distinction between like the reference in the paper that I wrote in Japan is I'm linking that to existing religious institutions and traditions, right? So if you're like if so that makes it doing... easier, right? For that, that makes them an easy case, right? Because they have the institutions, yeah. but do we need right. institutions so, like... for something to count as a religion? No, like so. I mean, if something becomes religious behavior, excuse me, let me say, not just a yeah, religious, religion, behavior, but like no, yes, okay. a religious institution, yes. But like, so I, I guess it would be the difference between like, take it like this if you do the sign of the cross, right? When I was right. a kid in Ireland, 
if you drop something on the ground, you could pick it up and do the sign of the cross and you could eat it, right? Because you, you blessed it <laughs> and that, that removed the... Uh, that was way it, better than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't know that it had... I mean, you, Aaron, did not realize... I, I understand God protects you Catholic. from germ theory if you do the cross first. I get it. Exactly. So, like, yeah. the are, is that a religious... Uh, you know, thing. I think obviously, yes, right. It's it's relying right. on a symbolism from a religious tradition, and it's Im implicitly associated with like uh, invoking a power from like. But kids wouldn't interpret that, right? They they're just engaging in like a a ritual that they that they've derived from their culture. Now, don't step in a crack because you'll break your back, right? That that rhyme. Now, similar right. thing, an avoidance of a behavior, but no association, as far as I'm aware, with like a religious tradition or, you know, there's a there's a vague invoking of like uh, mm -hmm. unlucky mm -hmm. forces. But that that so that to me is, you know, the like I say, there are fuzzy categories, but there's what in the first instance that is a clearly associated with religious thing, regardless of whether the kids know where the cross comes from or that kind of thing. The step on the crack, now it it may turn out that I'm just completely unaware and this has a deep religious uh like you know uh, history mm -hmm. attached to it. But I would say that it now is more along the realms of like you know a just a uh like something detached from re religion like a cultural mm -hmm. tradition. Um sure. So okay. Yeah. And it, does, it seems perfectly plausible to me that there are cultural traditions and rituals that are not religious, that aren't supernaturally oriented. Exactly. Say. Right. I, I think that's quite possible. Right. So, um, OK, I, I have like one or two more I want to ask specifically. You don't have to go necessarily too far into these, but it's important, I think, because I want to talk a little bit about the policy implications, because like it'd be great if like this was purely academic, but there have, there are laws about religion and that's, a you know, yeah. so it matters what counts and what doesn't. Um, so let me ask you on your view, would the satanic temple fail in their attempts to be declared a religion because they very explicitly reject supernatural beliefs and rituals? No, because I'm also pragmatic. So it depends <laughs> on like, <laughs> It, like uh, whether you meet the criteria for a religion within a given jurisdiction of a government. Okay, all right. Completely separate mm -hmm. issue from. Okay, like, okay. There was, there was another question I had was if yeah, if you thought if you felt like, you know, is there a test for religion in the legal sense that you think is different from your criteria here? Yeah, yeah, and it will be variable between like uh, state and country. So I, I mm. think that. You know, if you want to register as a religion and you're a humanist organization and it means that you can get tax breaks, uh, like my specific uh, academic definition of religion, which I do think is coherent, should not prevent you from seeking that that status and those benefits, um, because pragmatically, so you, if the, you prefer self-ID when it comes to the law. For government benefits uh, orientated towards religious charities, I think that uh -huh. you humanist organizations and atheist organizations uh, and and non even non traditional religions should be able to uh, exploit them just in the same way that the traditional religions do. So I'm pragmatically mm. orientated there, but I think the definitions that like various countries use and are relatively incoherent and inconsistent. But that's the right. case with like all law <laughs> so okay I, i'm sympathetic to that at least as a practical sort of cope um with the realities of you know not a bad cope right a good cope um in it does make me wonder though what then are your views about like how far does freedom of religion extend right do you are you sympathetic to like if this is my religious belief or behavior, I get to do X and how, like, you know, how many things fall into the category of X there? I'm humanistically and atheistically inclined. So I think a lot of the exceptions that modern societies carve out for religion are uh, not, not conducive 
to like uh yeah that like I, that I don't think it should automatically be assumed that because something falls under the category of religion that it's not debatable ethically or um legally right i think we should be looking at the extent to which religious traditions and values uh interact with or potentially conflict with modern secular values um and and where there is a conflict i i lean fear heavily inside of uh the that respect for tradition has to give way for like universal human rights and uh like more more freedom uh mm. modern freedoms than uh respect for tradition do you think that we should be taxing religions yes mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, like i think you can make exceptions for charitable endeavors or those kind of things but i don't see why on uh like on the whole religion should be deserving of a like a separate space from you know there are plenty of institutions and charities which are uh doing similar things and don't get this as far as i'm aware i'm not an expert in this area but like do not get the same kind of blanket uh get out of jail free card so yeah i i think Mm -hmm. something that getting the label of religion uh, attached often extracts it from a scone uh like a a cone of scrutiny which would be well deserved and this is why scientology and various other um you know questionable uh exploitative traditions seek out mm-hmm. to get the religion label because then mm-hmm. you're much freer so yeah and i mm-hmm. i i think there should be space in all i don't think that secular societies should prohibit religious practices uh, or like that they should uh, seek to dismantle religion. But I I think that there has to be an acknowledgement Mm -hmm. that there are incompatibilities and and that those have to be negotiated, you know, like within the same framework that uh, non-religious people operate. Yeah, okay. So in in the same area, we'll get close to the end, but um, one more and then I'll get some recommendations from you. Um, we can't totally avoid the culture war aspect of why I'm asking you about this, which is often, you know, your religion gets thrown around, not as a total just dismissal, but also as an attempt by some people to use the laws that we were just talking about against wokeness, which clearly to me, like, doesn't understand, they don't understand how, how like free, you know, religion is in our society in terms of what you can get away with if you get classified as a religion. But like setting that question aside, do you just think that wokeness is a religion or not on your view? In my view, there are, there can be parallels drawn for the same reason, as I said, with gamblers, right, that you can draw parallels. Religion is such a broad category that there are components um, of like, especially I would say in the excesses, which is where I tend to put the category of wokeness, right? And if you have a social justice spectrum that like wokeness tends to lean towards the the extreme of that. And I think there are elements Mm -hmm. of that which can uh, veer towards metaphysical style claims. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and that in, in those cases, especially when you have ritualistic practices, attached to them that you can you can be veering into things which look like religion but i think that it makes little sense to regard like the entire category of social justice as a religion right like on in mm-hmm. the same because in the same way you can say you know trumpism is a religion or and if you're going to say that then fine right like if you're going to make the parallels consistent across the different categories then that's okay with me but i i often see it employed uh like very selectively and i i think that Mm -hmm. that should be challenged um and that it if you're going to draw a parallel with religion right i i often find that people selectively uh pick what you know some aspect of religion that they regard as negative and they say, well, it shares mm-hmm. this feature. So that, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's bad. And I, and I think that in that case, usually 
what they actually just want to say is that feature is bad, right? right? And they, yeah. they this don't... Is where I, this is where I think we most agree, yeah. Yeah, they don't... They're not pattern matching. They Like, yeah, it's cherry picking often. But I, I do think there are valid critiques that you can make of like what I would term woke excesses, which which do mm -hmm. fall towards like uh, religious belief or behavior. Um, but but mm -hmm. not... I think, I, I think I think it'd be a stretch to say like there's a religious institution, right? Which mm -hmm. like a woke church or something like that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I I don't know that I'm totally convinced of your definition yet, but I'm sympathetic, and I at least am very sympathetic to the you know demand for consistency as much as possible, and like the critiques of the way that the concept is often used in a bunch of different ways um there's, so i have to torture you yeah sorry go ahead there's before you finish Aaron. there's just one okay. like non-culture war example that i wanted to give which i think illustrates okay. why this isn't like just an academic topic of you know waffle it is an academic topic of waffle about you know when you debate definitions <laughs> but in in as you mentioned what get categorized as a religion matters right and in the case in japan uh, there's been a long argument from various scholars, particularly critical theory inclined scholars, that nothing in Japan is uh, religious, right? Especially mm -hmm. the Shinto tradition does is not a coherent religion, and uh, and in general, religious activity in Japan doesn't meet the criteria. Now, the far right uh, kind of nationalist movement in Japan is very happy with that. Because if Shinto is not a religion, the Japanese constitution, post-war constitution, said separation of church and state, right? Because it was based on the mm. uh, American constitution. Yeah, so imagine Shinto, where they got that from. <laughs> yeah. And if Shintoism is not a religion, as scholars say, then it's fine for the state to funnel funds and issue support for Shinto ceremonies, Shinto shrines, including Yasukuni Jinja, the shrine which is... Uh, extremely nationalistic and you know presents a apologetic view of world war ii so these things actually can have consequences because the uh the previous mm -hmm. prime minister abe was quite strong in trying to uh reintroduce shinto elements into the government and curriculum and those kind of things so i think it's worth noticing that you know that that kind of breaks the culture war calculus, I think, a little bit because the critical right. theory arguments are actually helping ultra nationalists potentially to sidestep, uh, you know, constitutional limitations about favoring religious traditions. So I I just right. want to use that example because I don't think it matters. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, it's a good example why these kind of like academic, uh, you know arcane debates can actually have implications for like policy um and and mm -hmm. government funding yeah for sure and we also probably don't want to like be adjudicating nationalism via the definition of religion but it's a good a good example of like where the rubber meets the road in these kind of definitional debates sometimes so like i said i do have to now torture you here in a second but i always try to leave folks with a little bit of like additional resources if they want to dive deeper into this so you know relatively quickly are there like one or two like pieces that you feel like really helped you in your thinking about religion there's jason josephson has a book called the invention of religion in japan it's excellent and it, it takes the mm -hmm. position of like the the kind of critical approach to the term being a, a western import which uh you know doesn't doesn't map nicely so if you want one of the best cases made for that argument i think jason josephson's work is very good and then there are online accessible a series of back and forth debates by uh a scholar fitzgerald i forget his first name and ian reader um and mm -hmm. it's it's kind of focused on the same question about whether religion applies in japan but they the debates touch on the the you know, the main issues in the broader debate. So there's a series of articles pinging back and forth between the two of them um, on this issue. And Fitzgerald is taking the position that, no, it, it, we shouldn't apply that term and it's it's relatively incoherent. And Ian Reader is taking the view that it is 
cross-culturally useful, academically uh, productive to focus on, and it also has um, parallels in native Japanese uh, history and thought that um, that that show it. You know, there is a coherence to the category outside of the Western usage. So those those are quite academically um, in, inclined, mm-hmm. and uh, if you want a very condensed synopsis, I have an article in Eon which I think is called something like... Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, rich religion without belief, or is it possible yeah. to be religious without belief? So something like that, but um, yeah. Great. Good stuff, great. All right, so now, unfortunately, that means I have to torture you. Uh, this is the enlightening round, and because you've been here before, it is the enlightening round to Trolley Boogaloo. Why don't you just tell me the right answer? Well, that's what's so great about the trolley problem is that there is no right answer. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been prepping for round one again, haven't you? And, and now it's a whole separate thing. Um, I'm going to give you a list of scenarios, okay? And you're going to oh, no. tell me, is it morally permissible to pull the lever? Okay. Okay. Trolley problems. Sla- straight up trolley problems. Morally permissible to pull the lever. That's a question. Okay. okay. You feel ready? So I'm yes or knowing? Uh, yes. Right. So, for example, uh, is it morally permissible to save five people by killing one? Yes. <laughs> what about uh, to save a billion people by killing one? Yeah. Also, yes. Okay. Uh, what about to save yourself by killing one? No. <laughs> uh, so I guess I, I could also assume save yourself by killing one million. No. Yeah. Okay. You feel more comfortably no on that one. Um, yeah. Save five by pushing the person responsible for those five people being on the tracks in front of the trolley. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh. Kill your favorite artist to save their complete body of work. No. Mm. Save five, but you've got to go through a teleporter yourself to get to the lever. No. (laughs) Uh, Save a 10-year-old by killing an 80-year-old. No. Save a world historic person by killing a non-world historic person. No. Save your favorite non-human animal by killing one human. No. Save an entire ecosystem by killing one human. Yeah. (laughs) I love when we find lines. Um, And finally, save a sentient AI. By killing one human. Sentient AI. By... Yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Setting aside your terrible beliefs about consciousness. I, uh, yeah. I, I want the I want to meet the AI. That's my rationale for that. I know it's inconsistent. My you first two answers are. Rationales in... you want? Yeah. They were inconsistent. All right. You did. You, you had a few maybe potentially inconsistent answers there, but I appreciate you going through that. How do you feel? Not good. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's possibly uh, worse honesty. than the first one. <laughs> oh, good. I, I always worry that the second one doesn't have the impact of the first one. So I'm glad to hear that you feel like it's keeping keeping the quality no, it high does. in that way. It does. Great. The inconsistency great. is too evident. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I love to hear that. Um. So hopefully, obviously, you can stick around because you have nothing better to do than talk a little bit more about this. Um. But for normies, do you want to let them know where they can find your contents? Uh. Yeah. Probably the easiest place is the Decoding the Gurus podcast I do with Matthew Brown. Um. On secular gurus and Got online. Got the name right this time. Good job. Yeah, I did. I remember them. Um, And if you wanted to follow me, I'm C underscore Kavna on Twitter. Um, But don't judge me for what I do there. That's, you know, it's Twitter. (laughs) You make poor choices, but we all do on Twitter. It's fine. That's right. Well, well, Chris, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Um, Really appreciate the pushback.
Yeah, uh, you made me uh, feel inconsistent, um, not just in the enlightening round. So thank you very much, Aaron. <laughs> My pleasure, as always. As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you. But as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Thanks again to our listeners and patrons who make this show possible. We've got a couple new patrons to thank this week. Thanks to Vim Pravd and Carlos. And as always, thanks to our top tier patrons, our Archon level patrons, Lawrence Shielding. This is your brain speaking. Ha, whoa. <laughs> That's good. Dude, fix the vote. Ugh, Hemant Meta, sound so shrill. What happened to Jessica? Chad T. Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, and all the thanks to our Archduke-level patrons, Big Easy Blasphemy, Creepy Little Void Eyes, and Dave Maslich. If you'd like to support the show, please check out my other show, Philosophers in Space, and while you're at it, check out our wonderful editor, Louisa Lyons' Film Live Musicals podcast. Leave them all a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app. You can also follow me on Twitter, at ETVPod, or email me at voidpod at gmail.com. And if you notice a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you early access to episodes and bonus VIP content. Most of all, whatever ritual you prefer, you are the void and the void is you. Mm -hmm.